Hello, my name's Victoria Salomon and I would like to welcome you back to the Positive Power of Pain podcast. This week I am thrilled to introduce Gary Ward, my special guest, with us talking about the subject of addressing mind and body. I started learning from Gary Ward after reading his book, What the Foot, about nine years ago. And I was so interested in what he had to say about the foot and how it could impact the whole body. Even though I had a degree in clinical massage, I was still fascinated from over the years seeing the effectiveness of reflexology and simply working on different parts of the feet and now how this could make a difference to someone's health and pain in all areas of their body. I found Gary's flow motion model also provided a way to understand and experience the body's joints and how to connect or disconnect the mind and body using his his uh, flow motion model. I've seen it, this in hundreds of clients, uh, what we're going to discuss today in terms of how when a client has a memory, a trauma, anything in their body that sent them numb, uh, their biomechanics have gone out of alignment and getting them back into their feet and getting mobility back into their feet, changing the direction or the way their feet strike the ground can have a much deeper impact than just a physical uh, pain relief uh, process. My experience is it can literally change the way someone lives their life in a emotional, mental and spiritual way as well. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. Please do bear with the sound quality. Unfortunately, I was in a sound studio, but it didn't work <laughs> very well that day. So this is um, more like a Zoom quality recording. All the same, it's a fantastic um a fantastic podcast to listen to and i hope you enjoy it as much as i enjoyed spending the time with gary i will also be releasing part two in a couple of weeks hi gary welcome to the positive power of pain podcast um, we are going to be talking about your anatomy in motion um, flow motion model today and how it impacts uh, different aspects of health in our body. Can I ask you just to introduce yourself a little bit first? Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Gary Ward and I created anatomy in motion uh, in around 2007. Um, and have been working um, to understand the human body's movement through the gait cycle since approximately that time, a little bit before. Um, I'm a personal trainer by background, qualified in 2001, so 21 okay. years ago, mm -hmm. um, and uh, moved into education um, where once people started asking me to tell me what the hell I'm doing because what I was doing was working quite nicely and at the time I wasn't 100% sure what I was doing. So um, the long and the short of it is um, Anatomy of Motion was um, founded as an idea almost where we can use movement to correct people's movement patterns that would serve to benefit them in, the se in a sense of well-being in the long run. So as a personal trainer, people uh, would come to me because they had um, 
back pain or shoulder pain or knee pain, not necessarily to run a marathon or lose weight or put on extra muscle. So I, yeah. was, I was instantly looped into this corrective exercise <clears throat> scenario, which just meant for me, um, you know, lots of looking into what I can do to help people more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but alongside that was this fascination of how the body moves um, and uh, recognition that there is this thing called a gait cycle. Yeah. Um, and you can listen on loads of other podcasts, my kind of insight from the ski boot fitting angle. I was previously mm. a ski boot fitter, but what that meant was that I was taught, um, I say taught, it was three days. I had three days training in the, in, in the foot and the anatomy of the foot and what pronation is and what supination is. Yeah. Um, and I was fascinated. Uh, so finding a neutral foot, helping people access a neutral foot, um, kind of meant that people's comfort improved in their skiing and their performance improved in their skiing. And so I was instantly working with this idea that alignment equals better, whether it's pain or performance. Um, And then it was about understanding why, why can't we stay aligned? Why can't, why do we distort away from alignment? What is alignment? (laughs) And and then this whole journey opens up. Um, But the interesting, thing that was documentable for me was a, a description of how the foot moves through the gait cycle and that it should be able to access both ends of its movement spectrum so a pronation and a supination mm-hmm. um, and for those listening who are unsure of what that language is a pronation is where the foot flattens the arch lowers towards the ground and a supination is when it rises up comes away from the ground becoming more rigid um, and so we have this idea of moving from a flat softer more malleable type foot shape to a hard rigid structure where the arch was down and the arch is up and in that sentence what you're hearing is a list of opposites Mm. so the two states of one structure can oppose each other and it's incredibly healthy Mm. to experience that in a footstep and so if the foot is flat i wanted to know what the influence of that is on the knee and if the foot is high arched and rigid what's the influence of that on a knee and it turns out you need to be able to do both of those things in a single footstep and so then the connection up to the hip the pelvis the spine um and 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 for me it turned out that in order to have a healthy body uh, and when i say healthy i'm back into the realms of pain and performance and we need to enable our structures to be able to access both sides of their possible movement scenarios so like i said pronation supination in the back you need to be able to flex and extend your spine or side bend left and right Um, and that creates a balance Um, and the the big difference about anatomy and motion versus the concepts that were being uh, taught when i was you know early 2000s was a lot more about stability not mobility being stable, not having movement. And a stable spine was a neutral spine. And But for me, I was seeing people train hard at finding neutral, um, but having a, a distorted sense of posture. Whereas what I was finding is that people were able to move and develop a straighter spine by experiencing the two ends of the extreme possibilities of movement. Yeah. And, so, and I think that opened my eyes hugely to to a lot of the concepts that you probably want to talk about today so the contrast it's all about contrast of experiencing different movements and sensations in the body Uh, yeah 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 i mean anatomically it it makes complete sense because a muscle 
um, is designed to both have length and shortening. And yeah. when it's long, the, the bone or the joint is in one position. And when it's the same muscle is short, the bone or the joint has to be in the opposite position. Yeah. So can we create an environment where we're able to enable all of our joints in all of our body to experience both ends of its movement potential for all of our muscles to both lengthen and shorten and then find yeah. a resting point in between. So no, no muscles are left long, which is actually tension and, and tension equals stress. And no muscles are left short, which is actually where joints are being compressed and compression equals discomfort as well. Yeah. So are we stuck in these positions of being some muscles long, some muscles short, some joints closed, some joints open, and then unable to get out of those positions and just living in them, exercising yeah. in them, taking medicine to overcome them, injecting them, foam rolling them, doing stretches. But actually what we need to then talk about is that these are habits that the human itself, its innate intelligence has enabled us to access yeah. for a higher, a higher goal, if you like. Uh, absolutely. And um, kind of get stuck in those I I just want to speak a little bit about what brought me to you initially oh, because yeah. it was all about the foot. I was actually I just completed a clinical massage degree where I'd spent three or four years learning uh, like in depthly about different ranges of movement of the body, how muscles and connective tissue and everything uh, kind of worked and you know learning everything there was and every technique there was to release um, pain from injury mm. however what we didn't really learn about we learned about how to mobilize joints but we didn't actually learn so much about what well, we learned nothing about the movement of gait and I remember I went to a myofascial release convention and someone there um, told me that they'd been on your course and that you'd written a book called What the Foot. And the moment I heard that title of your book, <laughs> it was like something in me just happened. And I was actually due to go on and become a clinical massage um, teacher. So on the very course that I'd done my degree on. But when I heard about your um, book, some, something just happened. And you know you get those moments in life where you just feel pulled towards something. Yeah. And, and the reason for that was <laughs> that even though I'd done my long clinical massage degree and I was trained as a systematic kinesiologist, I knew that years ago, back in 1997, when I'd learned reflexology as one of the first, like, uh, holistic practitioner therapies that I ever did. No matter what else I had gone and learned and done, I was still fascinated that I could come back to reflexology and get an, a therapeutic result, measurable result on a health condition, not just on pain relief, but on a health condition. So I knew, having done the whole journey of learning incredibly in-depth stuff, you know, and thousands of clinic hours by that point, that yeah. the foot was a gateway to the body. And when I, so when I heard about your course, I, I just, for me, that was like, oh my God, I, I, I just knew, like, it, it, you know, there was no reasoning other than it was a feeling that I just knew I had to come and yeah. train with you. And then I, I came and you split, the first course I did with you, you split into two lots of three days. 
And I think it was in the first lot of three days that we were there. There were about 40 of us in the room. You had a few people supporting you and um, Chris was was one of them. And Chris was getting us to do something uh, where we were moving our hip joints and our adductors and abductors in our thighs. And I literally went into a kind of freeze state. And I remember feeling very unsafe and very, very numb. He was saying, do this. And, and I literally couldn't even access it. And, <clears throat> and it was extraordinary because I felt like most people in that room were personal trainers or maybe osteopaths or, you know, I, I didn't, I felt quite unusual in terms of clinical massage. I mean, no, we had Pilates teachers, Bowen, many therapists. Um, but at that moment, I felt like a um, more like a client suddenly experiencing something that was being triggered. And Chris said to me, do you need to leave the room? He could clearly see. And I was like, yes. And you and I went out of the room. <clears throat> and I'll never forget that moment because you basically got me to uh, begin to breathe into what is a cog, which is something that we teach and to start to change not just movement but timing of movement of different parts of my body with each other but what for me i wasn't there as a personal trainer i was there as a practitioner who works with a lot of clients who are in chronic pain or have histories of chronic trauma and memories locked into their bodies yeah. and for me that that's my that's my history that's been my <coughs> my journey and your model what it what it's done and as i described to you it's almost given the keys to unlock the joints so i see the joints as like the locks uh, a lot of trauma work a, a lot of work about chronic pain is about releasing muscles stretching muscles you know contracting muscles but what i learned through your model was that actually it's learning to remind the body of the joint movements yeah, in different directions. And as you say, joints act, muscles react. Right. And out of every model and everything I'd learned, it was actually your model that gave me the keys to access parts of my body that until then I were, were basically numb and I didn't have access to them. And here we are, I think that was 2013, 2014. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, as I've said to you since, if I'd known what was going to happen when I learned to unlock those parts of my body that had managed to hold in a lot of um, memories and unconscious stuff, would I have continued? I'm not sure. Here I am. I've had a divorce. I've had, you know, because actually... Um, what I've learned and I had to learn for myself to then be able to bring to my clients and um, people that I teach is that our body is a master of holding stuff unconsciously and that's where you, you know you come from a personal trainer background I come ultimately from you've got chronic illness you've got chronic pain let's start to get your body feeling safe enough and realign it and as we realign the body and I use what I've learned with you to do that and then I suppose I use other techniques that I've learned from other aspects of my training over 25 years yes. to then help 
move that that pain or that trauma out of the body but it's your model uh, of getting into the bones getting into the alignment that gives the strength and the connectedness to move that pain safely I think that's how I would describe it and I remember saying to Chris there's something going on here that you're not teaching in the room <laughs> and he was like well yeah but we can't get all that out in in when we're teaching but can you kind of say what your take is on that aspect of what I'm talking about um yeah I, I don't know if we'll ever answer the question about what what's not being talked about in the room not because we don't want to but it's because we probably can't um, and it's time as well yeah yeah but this um what about just the simple idea um uh that if we think about the brain if we think about the nervous system um i don't think we understand it and um, i certainly don't um, and even those who uh, endeavour to, to work in, in such environments, they, they don't they claim something like we, we only understand or use a really small percentage of, of what our brain is capable of doing. Mm. Um, and so I, I, if I, if I chunk all the way up to, to the top of, let's consider your scenario, I, I think of two words come to mind, and one is protection and the other is survival. Um, and as humans, we have a we have this. There is nothing holding our skeleton in place except ourselves. Our, our bones um, have definitely uh, got limitations to their to their movement. There are definitely boundaries to to what what, what they're able to do, and that comes down to the joint surface anatomy. That, in English, is is uh, the the shape of the end of the bone meeting the shape of another end of the bone. And that, that shape creates a, a, an, an actual possibility of movement. Um, and for many of them in, in three dimension. Um, so the whole thing isn't gonna fall out, but it can hold itself in, in awkward positions. Um, and so we'll talk about response to injury, response to um, daily life, um, daily habits, um we can talk about response to trauma um and all of these adaptations are um kind of in the name of protection and survival which is kind of ironic because then we're going to say that the posture that you have adopted to protect yourself is now the posture that is actually causing you problems yeah so we've gone from a short-term solution to an injury yeah. creating a long-term problem yeah. um, so one of the analogies i'll always use to keep it simple is you sprain your ankle but for most people it makes sense not necessarily consciously you do this unconsciously and you do it immediately as you put your weight on the other leg mm -hmm. take the yeah. pressure off the, the leg that is injured um, and it doesn't take long it doesn't take long. It's a period of, um, actually, I can't remember now if it's two minutes or two hours, but two hours of holding your foot in a non-usual position is enough. The analogy was taping your fingers. If, if you take your fingers for a couple of hours, your brain will start to eliminate the idea that you've got two fingers. You just it will um, start to think of it as one. Yeah. So think about spending time in a, in a cast mm -hmm. for six weeks. Um, 
rolling your ankle, uh, fibula bone finds a different position, foot can't go back to where it was, we rest it, we do some circles with it in the air to write our name and kind of hope that the, that the uh, skeletal structure goes back to normal. In fact, we don't, even, we don't even get that far. We just hope it feels okay and we can play football <laughs> on Saturday <laughs> um, yeah. without even any of those thoughts. But uh, yeah. what our body has done is gone, well, Jesus, I can't put my weight on that thing. Yeah. But I do need to play football on Saturday. <laughs> so what we'll do is we'll put 70% of weight through our left leg. Now the whole body has had to change position. And and we look at that as your center. You moved your center of mass from right to left. If you move your center of mass left, your pelvic position changes. So it might hike up on one side. It might rotate away from the problem leg. It might tilt in order to accommodate movement on the left leg. Now your spine is in is in a different shape. Your mm-hmm. spine will have bent in the bottom towards the left. It will have rotated uh, back towards the problem. It will have extended as a result of the tilt. And now your shoulder girdle is in a different place. Your yeah. neck's in a different place. Your eyes are having to take different input in but it's soon the fascinating thing about the human body is how quickly it normalizes this form sure now you are in a normalized alternate state of structure that is now going to dictate the rest of your days until you are able to revert it back to where it was pre-ankle sprain that is not going to be achieved by doing rolling circles in the air to write your name it's not going to be achieved by putting it in an ice bucket it's not going to be achieved by um strapping it because of the two hour rule um it's going to be achieved by somebody paying enough attention to say that bone is not in the right place that movement is unable to happen because of this position of this bone understanding the mechanism of the injury and then giving you creating an environment through movement or even manual intervention to allow that foot to work like it did before the injury. Once you do that, the brain, it no longer will make sense to be on the left leg, will start to come back to the right leg. Um, and just in that in that note, if just talking about structural pain before we get to your space, that left leg, if it's been carrying you for 10 years, maybe the one where all the problems are. And then the problem with where the problems are is people want to treat it and you want it treated. <laughs> yeah. But the, is that the actual problem that, that is being being tackled? And so back to those two words, protection and survival. One, we're protecting the injury by moving away. And survival, I think, is the is is the innate goal of this us as beings, I suppose. Like we would do we, we can then start to put a label of everything that you've done is, is about survival. Mm. Um, and that happens in your structural body as well as in your mind. Yeah. So, um, in the classroom, when you, I think, because what you're talking about is a general guided session, we would do these things called check-ins, which was... So Gary's talked about how when you move your pelvis, the spine should respond. When you move your spine, how the shoulder girdle should respond, and etc. Um, and so, you know, you've just heard that the pelvis can do eight things. It will <laughs> tilt in both directions, hike on the left, hike on the right, shift to the left, shift to the right, rotate left, rotate right. Let's just find out which of those you are physically capable of doing. Of, of doing, um, exactly. Yeah. Or remembering. Or remembering. <laughs> <laughs> remembering, like, because there's that difference, isn't there? There's what you've just forgotten you can do. Yeah. 
and then there's what you can't do because you really can't do it kind of thing. Yeah, and, and, and the idea that if you can't do it here, quietly concentrating on it, you aren't doing it out there. Yeah. Because out there is where life happens. Um, and so walking down the road, you aren't doing it. Going for a run, you aren't doing it. Playing football at the weekend, you aren't doing it. Sitting, delivering a podcast, you aren't doing it. it it's not happening. And we call that what's missing. And so one of our jobs is, is, the, um, is, is to pay attention to what it is that the human in front of me who is suffering from pain can't do in their mm-hmm. movement. Yeah. Because then we're able to create a map, a chart, if you like, of, 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 a, of a, how a person stands. I use StickMap. Right? My biggest, highest, and most expensive assessment tool is a StickMap. Yeah. <laughs> and people will say, can you teach me to draw StickMap? <laughs> oh, my God, it can't be that hard. Yeah. But it's the most information-giving aspect of an assessment. When you can draw a StickMap that represents the person in front of you, they are able to look at it and go, oh, wow, no wonder I have discomfort there. You can point sure. and say, look, can you see how all of that area is long? Yeah. Can you see how all of that is short? Yeah. And, and, and these problems, I was able to pinpoint a person last week to say you, his stick man was able to show and the assessment was able to show that his piriformis syndrome or sciatica down the leg was basically a hip that was uh, internally rotated extended and abducted and he couldn't get out of it and when we asked him if he can do these movements that would give him the solution he couldn't so that's what we do um we simply teach him to put the movements back but if you just go straight to the sciatica to the piriformis syndrome you can inject the piriformis you can foam roll it you can stretch it you can um uh, you can even look at foot pronation, etc. But if it's not going to be even, like foot pronation is great, but if it's not useful, if it's not actually feeding the appropriate movement in, into mm-hmm. the whole body, that's why we become a whole body fascination yeah. rather than um, anything else. So um, it, what I wanted to get to is the um, it, all of those adaptations, I think, come down to us either moving into a place that protects us from the problem or we had let's say you had an accident and you actually got forced into a shape when either way you ended up in a non-aligned space Mm -hmm. and your movements created habits and behaviors that left you stuck in in that space and can i just but in here, Gary, because yeah, we're talking about or you're talking about when we've had an accident or an obvious injury. But I suppose a lot of what I'm working with or what was my experience as well is the uh, the alignment can go out because of a chronic state of grief or fear or an emotion where emotion. Lit- literally when you're feeling that emotion or you're in a state of fear, your alignment can collapse. And I, and I feel that. I mean, as a clinical massage therapist, obviously people are coming because of injuries quite often, but very often they have undiagnosed pain with, uh, when I say that, I mean, they may have gone through the medical world, they've had all kinds of tests and no one can really find what the problem is. And then um, what very often it is, is people's body because their nervous system kind of does, you're so numbed out. And I, I believe this was kind of my experience that your posture has just collapsed and um, in terms of the nervous system I mean I I have 
after years of using your process, I've been fascinated about the numbing out in the body and the collapse that causes the lack of alignment. And the closest thing I found that's helped me make sense of it and that I use with my clients is the polyvagal theory because it's it's almost like when we are in deep trauma or under life threat, cortisol can make us go numb in our pelvic area. The fight or flight response can completely send us out of alignment in our rib cage area, you know. So so these nervous system reactions, which are very healthy reactions to difficult um, situations and obviously we need to be mobilized we need fight or flight but yeah. I, I think my journey with myself when I learned about the polyvagal theory and that you know we have a, the dorsal vagal nerve in our belly which is actually designed when you're in danger to kind of to, to kind of make you numb so you can survive because if you were feeling such high levels of terror or w w whatever it is you couldn't actually get on with your life yeah. and and for me that's where I've brought other elements of my learning to to try and understand because you know I created my own course based on your flow motion model and a few other bits called get yeah, into your body yeah. and what I noticed well, called get into your body because yeah. <laughs> it just I needed to call it something but and what I noticed was as I teach it you know and it start it's a seven week course the level one and it starts with the feet getting people to move and understand the different movements and the different ranges of movements and basically I, I, I teach them all these movements and they start to see what's missing or what they can't feel or what doesn't make sense and as uh, you know I remember you saying in in the um, first three-day course you know there's this day of chaos because as the brain starts to explore different sensations it feels chaotic and that also the nervous system is going like what on earth's going on you know this is like nothing makes sense in the body uh, but but in my work I, I have made some sense of you know if there isn't a specific injury it's that makes sense of something that very often there are emotional um, and and life experiences that can have the same impact on collapsing the alignment so yeah I'm, I'm interested to see what you have to say about that um. I just said undoubtedly, like um, it is nice uh, from my perspective if you do have a very real, tangible event. <laughs> that, yeah. Because to me, it makes sense. I listen to how an injury occurred. I look, I think about what impact that would have had on the body. I'll check the body in reality to see if if that's actually where it's still stuck, and then mm -hmm. you know, got an easy pathway out. Um, uh, the, I, I guess. If there's trauma or emotional um, issues, looking for a better word there, mm, but, mm. Um, then it, it is very similar to, you, to to need to try and understand the trigger of those things in order to be able to work with them. Because I think in any scenario you will respond in in one of two ways, and that's um, a yin way or a yang way, mm. um, and normally they are opposites. And I think. Um, this may be a little oversimplifying, but it does seem that everything has its its two extremes: happy and sad, uh, right? Yeah. And, and we get stuck in sadness. 
or we get stuck in happiness and actually as most people know if they if they're perpetually happy they're, they're not really happy <laughs> so neither is a good thing you need a good healthy balance of, of yeah. both and be able to manage both sides of, of this coin um, um, because you even you, you mentioned fight and flight um, and as stuff got unhappy in your system uh, in the classroom you, you, you go into fight or flight mm -hmm. um, and you chose you chose one um, and then if that happens in your body one of your ways to protect yourself is to flee and you you suddenly you maintain yourself in that in that state then you can't get out of it and you're there for long enough you don't know how to get out of it you then need guidance and help in order in order to to do that and you don't even know you're in it I mean, no, it's, you, this you is don't even very unconscious. Yeah. yeah, you're not even aware of it. So how do you even know you need to get out of something when you don't even know you're in it? And you the know? vast majority of the Western world will be in fight or flight. And that's the, the big conversation is you know, you're not running from the saber toothed tiger anymore. Mm. You're actually creating stress through your everyday activities. Mm. My, my friend uh, Mike Weeks, who wrote a book called Resilience by Design, which is recently out, um, anybody who finds himself in this scenario is well worth looking at that. He says, we do stress. We don't have stress and we are not stressed. We choose to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's empowering yourself to recognize that it's no longer something you want to do or you're going to do it when it's useful because it's always useful. Everything is actually necessary. Stress is necessary, like you mm -hmm. said. Mm -hmm. Being able to run when when the when the bear walks down the street <laughs> is a really good idea. But just stop running and recover and and find a place where there's no bear and, and be happy and be content again. Yeah. Um, and so doing stress, recognizing that you have the power and the choice to know that I'm doing it, mm. or I'm doing it and it's not serving me. You know what what's the opposite scenario? Um, and so. And when it comes to, I guess, working with tra traumas and emotions, if they don't know it's happening to them, it's going to take somebody to, to point that finger, to help them see it, to help them recognize it, and to help them um, unravel it in a way. Like, what are the opposites? Um, and what states can we begin to access to, to, to make that happen? Mm -hmm. um, and it seems like, and I know... Um, if I'm blatantly honest, when I was, I chose to move more into the anatomical structure. One, one because I had a very strong reason to to try and um, promote this this model and work yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, but I also found it a lot easier um, to to work with structural skeletal musculoskeletal injuries. Um, so, you know, kudos for you to, to, for taking on that other side. And, mm. um, and I've heard so many of your stories. They're, they're just wonderful. Um, but I, I, I feel like in that conversation, what we're doing is we're splitting or separating mind from body. And we shouldn't do that. Yeah. Um, mind, body, it's almost one word. Yeah. Um, where what we know is you can influence the the mind if you get on top of these mental um, scenarios that are dominating you you will have more freedom in your body mm -hmm. and if your body is the thing that is causing your mental stress because of pain or chronic issues then getting on top of your body is going to instantly alleviate those stresses and strains as well so there's a two-way 
there's a two-way sure. road in here. Because can I say something? So my experience of this, of almost taking on both sides, is that a lot of pre-verbal experiences. So we've been living in our body since you know since before we took our first breath, and yeah. there's in my experience of working with people with the get into your body system, which I've taken from your system is that the body is holding like pre-verbal experiences you know there are things that we can't as an adult remember experiencing as a child or experiences we had which we were having when our alignment actually was forming you know the foundation and I've worked for years with trying to release, try, well, facilitating people to release undiagnosed pain. But actually, without a strong foundation, it, it's, it's quite an unsafe thing to do, to kind of start trying to change or shift what people are holding. And actually, it was your, it was your model, the anatomical model model and coming into the bones that actually gives bizarrely enough the feeling of safety the sensation of safety in the body you know and, I, and I'll just share I said this to you I was um, I was going through a very traumatic core process in the last three or four years which finished about a year ago and the one thing out of all resilience tools that I'd learnt, the one thing when I was in kind of what was like the line of fire in the courtroom was coming into the sensation of my joints and my bones. Nothing could make me distrust that sensation. I could feel it. And, and having learnt to move in different ranges of movement, I knew how to bring myself in. And that brain, that animal brain that we have, you know, it loves the feeling of connection. And, and you know, that I think that's what inspired me to make the course as well. You know, I've put hours and hours of time into then creating this model of how to move safely and feel into our bones. Because yeah. that for me and my experience and that now of so many clients you know and people who've done the course has been the foundation for everything else to realign itself so it's kind is it, is it possible that that, that that is because because of a strong word there um that that is a very tangible feeling yeah. that you yeah. can have you can you can touch it experience it explore yeah. it the mental side of things very difficult to do that yeah confusion um, like what's real what's not yeah i mean yeah. you ultimately to make it tangible you almost have to write them down yeah. you know feel them on on paper somehow yeah. you have some way to make them um come to life so that you can stare at them almost as if you're looking at them as somebody else's which is is actually another a good technique to be able mm. to then guide yourself as to if you if that was your friend how would you what would you tell them to do yeah um, and so there are processes that that make it tangible but until you bring it into reality it becomes yeah. it, it's very abstract and almost mm. impossible to deal with um, and in NLP terms we have these state um, generalization distortion and deletion so all of the stuff that's going on up there in your head yeah generalized from from experiences where where one thing went wrong at some point and you made that into lots of things causing the same problem so you, the distortion is you know taking um the idea of a 
falling off a chair it's got four legs and you're afraid of chairs but actually you're afraid of anything with four legs <laughs> you've distorted yeah and you're catastrophized about oh my it's god it's got four legs going on up here and you feel like you don't have any control yeah. over it um and then and deletion of course is the final one which is where you we have memories that we we don't ever want to to touch again or reach into or open the door of um, and we'll shut them away um and interestingly on that last one and I think this may have been what was going on in the room for you is you can use movement to push all those things out and back to the surface Mm. Um, and again I have no idea how and why that happens but it happens so many times Mm. Um, and people say you know emotions are locked in the psoas but I I think more that what you said about the joints just the system itself has it, organized itself yeah. distorted itself yeah. in order to over, by deleting movements in order to to manage what is going on um, in the head and yeah i know i spent years trying to release muscles to get in touch with my feelings or event never worked and then the joints when you get into the joints and it's a different sensation and you know when you're in there because when the joints engage your brain uh, I, I mean this is what i see with my clients and participants it's like these light bulb moments of oh my god wow i can feel that now and it always generally feels like support stamina powerful safe you know and 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 it, you're just in. I describe it as as, as yeah. coming in. And of course, yeah. it has to start with the correct connection to the foot tripod. We haven't spoken <laughs> about the tripod, well, but yeah, it but it all starts there because actually engaging anything further up without being connected to your foot tripod is also a bit meaningless. That's yeah. that's yeah. What there's lots of things around that. So. Um, the thing is, with we choose to work with muscles, releasing muscles, stretching muscles, activating muscles. <clears throat> if the joint that those muscles connect to is unable to perform its full potential, the work with the muscle is either a very, very long process or a waste of time. Yeah, getting a muscle, getting a joint to perform, to execute its movement in the way it's designed creates no option but for a muscle to respond and that's the joints act muscles react scenario and so this and then another addendum to that is if you get that joint to to uh, to fulfill its um potential you instantly ask the next one in line to do the same and that's how we end up with these long chains of movement from that foot tripod up all the way up to the neck and there is a connection that we can make from the foot to the spine, the foot to the neck, the, it, because it's just it just becomes patterns. And there's a real simplicity to it that I can never um, overestimate to people. But it, it, it seems difficult. It seems impossible. But there's a, there's a very simple step-by-step ABC journey through the skeletal structure, which, which makes that. If you can then use that simple structure to unlock people's yeah. Um, position give them access to new positions which is going to then create mind-body response Why and, Gar- <laughs> and can I just say that that so for me as those joints engaged and as you say the relationship that as one engages that it has with the next one moving up the body um, it's like wow I, I could start to feel I could I didn't have to try I just it just was and there's a big difference between trying to feel something and something just switching on. 
Yeah. And I think in what I teach with, with people who aren't practitioners, I'm teaching people who are coming because of some challenge or curiosity about their body. It's it's that sensation of something switching on with no trying where it's like, oh, my goodness. And it and it feels right. And then the brains immediately kind of like, whoa. And it sounds so simple. And, and yet, you know, it needs to work from the feet up that the joints you know align correctly and of course people meet there that they meet the places where no I can't feel that you know yeah. I don't know what you mean and it's like okay well that's great information the fact that you now know there's something you can't feel or an area is is a great starting point to see Absolutely. what we can do around that yeah. and for for someone like myself who had a history of trauma those engagements of those joints and that was the sensation that brought me into my body it wasn't going back to a memory or trying to remember some traumatic event yeah to get back in my body it was the feeling the engagement of those joints and it and it was like whoa hello you know and and that was a really a really powerful experience which I now share with people <laughs> yeah I think it you're tapping into um, I think the real side of the work is the unconscious side uh, because you're using the word try um, and there are all kinds of quotes aren't there about trying Yoda yeah there's only do. So there's no point trying something if you're just going to, if you do something, the right thing, you will get a response. And the body, if we can trust that the body is intelligent enough to take the information and do with it what it needs, then I guess the flip side is that if, if it doesn't, if you're stretching your hamstrings every day and it's, and you were told to do that, but it's not improving your back pain, stop stretching your hamstrings. Yeah. It's not it. Because what we know is that when you tap into the right movement, you do get really strong, positive outcomes. I'm not saying solutions. I'm not saying back pain gone. Sometimes you get these kind of miracle outcomes. Amazing. But for a lot of people, there's a lot of work. Um, and But the work involves then understanding what's required, how to move a joint. And, and this starts to then get like, oh, my God, I need to become an anatomist to look after myself. Actually, no. They're just very simple movements yeah. that, that we can instruct and guide and you can do for yourself. And I can see you've got something to say. Yeah, I'm like... <laughs> for me, the most, if you, you know, what gets me out of bed is more the idea that we can help people take ownership of themselves. Yeah. Sure. Uh, um, so I teach practitioners, but I'm teaching practitioners and the understanding that the person who is capable of doing the healing is, is not them. They are not responsible for your well-being. You are. I hope you enjoyed that podcast as much as I did. And remember, there is part two, which I will be releasing in a couple of weeks time. So do look out for that. If you would like to know more about how I have used Gary's biomechanical model together with other processes to help identify and release trauma in a safe and stable way, then do look, go and have a look at my relief program masterclass. This is a free 
three-part masterclass where I go into all kinds of uh, aspects of what keeps trauma stuck in the body or how trauma becomes and manifests into what can be classed as undiagnosed pain because people go off to the doctors and nothing medical can be found that is actually wrong causing their physical pain. So you'll find more information about that in the show notes and of course you can go to the website the ixeltherapies.co.uk website to read the transcript of um, the conversation that Gary and I had. So so much thanks to Gary and I'll look forward to coming back with part two.